All right, everyone, welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast, where we help you connect with the past through food. My name is James, I'm your host, and today is episode 83. I have a very special guest on today's show to talk all about family cooking. Before we get to that, I want to thank you all for finding the show and listening. And as always, if this is your first time joining us, make sure you check out the show notes and recipes that we post on ToastyKettle.com. I've been asking all of you over the past several months to leave reviews wherever you get your podcasts if you like what you hear. And this is so important to keep the show growing. And it's also important for me to keep growing. I want to make sure I'm delivering a show and content that's resonating with you. And if I'm missing the mark, it's a great way to let me know. Now, from time to time, I'm going to read some of these reviews and say thanks. So I'm going to dive in. Huge shout out to Kirai Button, who left a great review. They said, just found this and will be downloading all the older episodes. I love the interesting little tidbits that he brings up. Highly recommend. New fan from New Hampshire. Thanks so much for your kind words. I also had another one from Fun with Barb. They said, great podcast with fun facts and it's like having a warm cookie and a glass of milk. So again, huge shout out, special thanks to Fun with Barb. I can't think of many things that are better than a warm cookie and a glass of milk, and that's a fantastic compliment that I can get behind. So thank you so much. If you want your review read on air, make sure you take a minute to say a few words. I'm always appreciative of that, and who knows, maybe I'll share it. Now for today's show. We have Chef Daryl Johnson on to talk about life lessons he learned from cooking with his great-grandma. Chef Daryl has 25 years of experience in the food industry. He has appeared on Food Network's Cutthroat Kitchen, as well as my personal favorite, The Great Food Truck Race. My time with Daryl oozed with his passion for the culinary world. So let's dive right in. Here's Chef Daryl. All right. Hello, everybody. I'm Chef Daryl Johnson from New York, Louisiana, executive chef and owner of Miller Christians. Yeah, I'm here today. Glad to be here. Yeah, and we're glad to have you again. Uh, really grateful that you decided to come on the show today. It's always great to have uh, some Southern flavor on the show. Uh, I've had a few uh, restaurants down in the South, and it's been awesome every time. Uh, so, how did you get interested in food? Man, that's a good story. That's a good story. Um, I wanted to be a professional athlete for a long time. You know, so growing up in New Orleans, you know, that was really prevalent. Um, but I also grew up in New Orleans when it was a pretty rough time. It was a murder capital world. You know, so looking at the early 90s to mid 90s, late 90s, it was a pretty rough place. So for me, a lot of my friends were doing the wrong thing. You know, they were doing the wrong thing. They were getting arrested, those kind of things. And um, my great grandmother was my inspiration. You know, um, she's the one that pulled me off the streets and pulled me inside and said, hey, listen, you're not going to be like that. I'm going to put you right here with me and you're going to do what I do. And just the love that she had for me to take me away from the environment, the situation, um, those those things that my friends, a lot of my friends wound up dead or in jail or just getting out of jail after 20, 30 years in prison. You know, so for me, um, food saved my life. It could have put me on a wrong path, could have put me in a place where I didn't want to be. And my great grandma was the one who introduced me to it. Just like I started in food. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, I, I think, uh, 
that definitely is something that's going to give you a lot of passion when you can see uh, the results of that, right? Where you didn't end up like your friends, you didn't end up dead or in, in jail or, you know, and uh, instead you're able to have this, uh, continue this legacy of food and, and cooking. Cooking with your great grandmother, uh, I can't think of a more magical thing uh, because a lot of these recipes, they aren't written down, right? Right. It's, it's really just, uh, it, it's what you observed her do or you're cooking it the way she did it and you can follow a recipe all day long and it's never going to be just like grandma because she did that Absolutely. little thing uh, that was you know what was the earliest thing you remember cooking with your great grandma oh man gumbo it's one of the best things that i do you know i was always gifted where i would watch you do something i got it that's how i was in school and sports and been in the kitchen you know so i would watch her make gumbo and her gumbo was the best. People come from all over the neighborhood, all over the city, just come to the table. I mean, she fed everybody, you know. So mm -hmm. gumbo is one of the things that she did very, very well. And I got it right from her. My gumbo, uh, I did an interview with Tyler Sparrow a couple of days ago, and he said that my gumbo is the best he ever tasted. You know, that's a lot of a guy of that caliber saying that. You know, we talked about my great-grandmother a little bit in depth, and we both got teary-eyed. You know, I started sharing some stories and stuff, man. And, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, she, she means so much to me. You know, she is who... I become, you know, so for me, I'm the chef in the family now, carrying that legacy on for my family, keep doing tradition. But the gumbo is what I do best, um, better than anything else I do. And I learned right from her. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I love gumbo. And so I'm out of Utah. And in okay. Utah, we don't have a lot of good gumbo, right? So, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's hard to find. Um, so I'm always hunting for a good recipe for gumbo. But, uh, you know, maybe I'll have to try and get, get yours out of you at some point. <laughs> it's in my cookbook. We talked about that a little bit later, but it's in my cookbook. And we do ship it across the country, too. So you don't have to search that far. No location got you. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah. And, and we'll definitely talk about it because, uh, again, um, it, it's, it's if, if you haven't watched the show, so... Uh, Chef Daryl, he's on the great food truck race and a couple seasons on there. Mm -hmm. And every episode you're cooking something, whipping up something that's inspired by a great grandma. And it, it's mm -hmm. just, it looks amazing. Uh, so we've talked about gumbo. Tell me about other, what, tell me about the food that you cook. Uh, well, so if, if, I were to, if I were to come over to your house for dinner, uh, what, what am I going to expect from Chef Daryl? My food is real New Orleans, and I often joke with my friends because people just pop up at my house all the time. You know, I'm always cooking. I cook every day. For me, cooking was never a job or a task. It's who I am. Like, it's like my soul gets calm when I cut the fry. You know, it just brings me so much joy and peace. So for me, um, I love you popping up. So it's etouffee. It's jambalaya. It's red beans and rice. You know, it's fried fish. It's, it's all kind of, I'm going to culinary school, cooking in Paris, so I can do things on a high, high level, you know, do some things that are visually stimulated. But for me, it's all back to my roots, all back to New Orleans. Those beignets that I love so much. You know, so again, it's one of those things where you come to my kitchen, you're going to be like it's in your favorite French Quarter Bistro. Love it. Love it. Uh, and I mean, it really does. Everything that I've seen you cook looks amazing. <laughs> it it just you. looks incredible. Um, I, I want to talk about hardship for a minute. You know, a lot of businesses that I've interviewed, uh, they've been around for 100 plus years and have had some real longevity. And every time I talk with one of those businesses, they are quick to talk about 
uh, some of the ups and downs they've had along the way and, and maybe some luck that they've experienced. It's helped mm -hmm. them to have that longevity that they've enjoyed. Uh, I would imagine for you in the life that you've had, um, that you've had your shares of ups and downs, you know, mm -hmm. we all have, uh, right. what are, is, is there maybe that one moment that stands out to you that was maybe that pivotal moment where you're going through something tough and how did you get through that? Gotcha. I mean, there was this business that's ups and downs, you know, I can talk back about 2005, Hurricane Katrina, you know, we lost everything, pulled our business. My grandmother died the same year. You know, so I mean, I could I could bring it up, but more recently, 2015, which isn't that recent, but I opened a restaurant and I had 1,500 bucks. Now, literally, took the stove out of my house to put in the restaurant. So when my wife and kids had to eat, they had to come to the restaurant so I could feed them. We didn't have a stove anymore; it was in the restaurant. Um, and you know, we put all we had into it. I mean, all we had into it. And the first month, we made 532 dollars. The first month, I'm like, man, I can't pay the light bill. You know, they gonna, you know, we got. Everything was just on the line for us, you know, and we believed in ourselves. And um, I would say probably about three months into it, we didn't know how we were going to pay the bills, payrolls due. Um, our car had got repoed. I mean, it was it was rough. It was rough. And then my episode of Cutthroat Kitchen Air. I had filmed Cutthroat Kitchen earlier that year, and I'm thinking forever to get on TV. And I'm like, I'm calling like, hey man, when is going to air? I need. I, when is going to air? Because I knew that if I was on Food Network, it would validate me. And people would come and give me the opportunity to show them what I could really do. Um, we had been struggling and struggling. And lo and behold, producer called me and said, hey, it aired in 30 days. So I'm immediately scrambling, calling local news people and calling this person and calling that person. going to set up a watch party. And we still struggled for another 30 days. But as soon as the show aired, we had a packed restaurant with two-hour waits. I mean, it was amazing, man. People finally got me the opportunity to show them what I can do. And we went from having to take our stove out of our house to opening two locations. You know, so again, it was one of those things where the roller coaster had dipped really, really low. I mean, low. And it came all the way back up high. You know, so again, just perseverance, understand that it takes time, you know, and sticking to the vision and, you know, adapting to it, you know, being able to pivot and being able to be creative with certain things and just put it on the line. And we did that. So many times, you know, you give up right before that change comes, you know, so, but my wife and I always talk about it. We say, hey, this is what we want. And we know the thing we want, that's it, come with it. The ups and downs come with this business, you know, but we love it so much. So we wouldn't change anything for the world. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, so so Cutthroat Kitchen, um, I've talked with some restaurants that have been on diners, drive-ins, and dives, and, mm -hmm. and they talk about the bump that comes from <laughs> being mm -hmm. on the show. Uh, was that growth sustainable? Did that continue on, or did you, you have the bump, and then it just goes back to how it was? So for me, the bump sustainable because I was in North Louisiana by the time and no one in that area had been on Food Network yet. You know, so I'm afraid that there was one person that was on it, but she got out in the uh, first round. I had went the farthest, right? I was in the finals. I should have I should have won hands down. I got bamboozled. <laughs> I should I should have won it, but I did not. Um, but it was sustainable because I was in different level than everybody else. Then being from New Orleans, my cuisine was so rare. You know, in North Louisiana. In New Orleans, New Orleans cuisine isn't rare. The first you get outside New Orleans, it becomes most much more rare. You know, so for me, it was sustainable. Um, and the roller coaster was up. Now, we did take another dip, though. We opened two locations. It's going to a third. And then we got to a point where we had to get our contract. You know, and he just ripped us off. Just straight up ripped us off. You know, mm -hmm. and it took forever to try to recoup some of the money. We haven't gotten it all back still to this day. You know, but we did hit another bump. You know, and we pretty much had to start all the way over again. So going from taking the stove out of our house to struggling, 
car getting repo, open two locations, doing a third, get ripped off and start back over again. You know, so that's kind of the roller coaster of it, being an entrepreneur, you know, being a chef, being in this industry. You, you, you take the losses and you make sure you can learn from it and adapt. I don't lose. I learn or I win, one or the other. Yeah, no, I love that. I think uh, I think something changes in life when you stop viewing it as wins and losses and mm-hmm. said it's I'm learning or I'm winning. And because mm-hmm. uh, if, if you're not learning, I think that's the only time you're losing. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely, totally agree. I mean, those experiences made me who I am. And I'm solid. You know, so one thing about, I didn't come from money, you know, didn't come, I have a degree now, but coming up, I didn't have degrees, you know. So with everything I learned was on the fly, trial and error. So now I can now reciprocate and give back to those people starting the business. Hey, here's why I messed up. Here's why I didn't know. Let me show you and teach you. I do color internship programs. Right now I'm in Pennsylvania working with international culinary students. You know, so kids from Mexico and Hungary and Bulgaria want to be chefs and I can now reciprocate that. You know, so again, those bumps and those issues that I learned, I can now take those and put value into somebody else. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, so we talked about the gumbo, right? Mm-hmm. And I think hands down, you, you were quick with that one. That's that's your favorite, oh, yeah. right? Oh, uh, yeah. uh, is there anything you hate to cook or that you refuse to eat? Um, I, I've eaten almost everything, man, from bull testicles to golden testicles. I, I cooked in Paris for about a year. So had a very angry French chef who said, you cook it, you better eat it. So that's kind of stayed with me, you know? So, but I'm not a fan of bacon. I do it very well, but like most chefs, we pick one or the other. Either we sweet or we save it, you know? So I'm not a fan of bacon. Again, I do it very well. Really great bread pudding, really great cheesecakes, all those things, but I'm not a fan of it. Bacon's more precise, you know, as, as a chef, I'm creative. I'm little this, little that, little this, little that, you know, I, it takes time. You know, I want to just be creative and not to follow a recipe or measurements or if I want to put this much sugar or this much sugar, I want to do it, you know? So um, bacon is not one of the things I'm fine of. Yeah, I, I think if, if you don't cook, it's hard to really understand that. Uh, that mm-hmm. um, I, I'm the same way, right? I, I love desserts and I eat my mm-hmm. share of them, but I have a hard time being precise with the recipe. I, I, mm-hmm. I view cooking as a creative canvas. It's, it's my outlet, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's my, uh, you know, just the same way you have a painter with, with uh, their paints and their brush, you know, and, and, uh, and baking, I feel too constrained. I, I don't know it well enough to be creative with it. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and, and that's where, I think, uh, you know, little this, little that, but that's also why you end up where it's never going to taste like grandma, you know? <laughs> right, right. So I, I have to ask, I, I have to ask though, you know, um, mm-hmm. do you make better gumbo than she did? No, I would not. That's blasphemous to even consider that. <laughs> not at all. No, not at all. <laughs> even if I did, I would still say I did. You know, so I'd be certain things that's untouchable. I mean, it's like the conversation with Mike and LeBron. I'm always say Mike. I'm always right. say Mike. LeBron right. may have made have dumb old when it's all said none, but it's Mike. You know, so my yep. grandmother's my great grandmother's always the goat. She's the goat. You know, I'll be LeBron. Not a bad person to be. She could be Mike, I'll be LeBron. Yeah, not not a bad way to be. Not a bad way mm-hmm. to be, for sure. Um so let's talk about the food network for a minute. Um because okay. I, I watch I watch chefs on the show, right? Um, and, and let's talk about, I haven't watched your season of Cutthroat Kitchen. I will, I'm going to get to it, but, yes. um, but 
the the food truck race the great food truck race that is a show that i love i watch it all the time um what is it like being on a show like that or a, a food network production so you have different types right so we can go by the cook the kitchen in the studio it's controlled environment you kind of have things set in place where you kind of you know what a fridge is you know what a pantry is you know so in that environment the main stress level is time right the main stress level is okay i'm gonna oh, present myself well do my dish well and it's time to strain. So that's one level of it. The Great Fusion Reef is a whole different story. I mean, it's a huge production. We are on the road. Season 10, we went from Myrtle Beach all the way down to uh, Key West. And the first day you see, I'm talking about hundreds of people, all the production staff, the camera people, this person, the production assistant, the producers, uh, this, you know, Tyler's got his crew over there. It's, it's so different. It's a, a huge production. You know, so that's the first thing you see, how big production it is. Um, then it's, it's, it's one of the hardest things you're going to do. I had never been on a food truck before. Never. I've been a restaurant chef my entire career. So now I'm going to go on this food truck. And it's funny, my wife applied for the show. I didn't even know. I had no clue. When we get a call with him, like, Food Network, what? No. <laughs> and they called me back, like, hey, no, really, it's Food Network. I'm like, man, you applied for Food Network? So yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and, you know, I didn't be hang up on the lady, but that's kind of, I didn't know, you know, so. Uh, but from, from the phone call, you get started, the flight, Food Network is always first class, take great care of us, great hotels, um, but the show itself is hard. It's really, really hard. Um, and you see it on, on the, the face of the contestants, and you see it you know, behind the scenes, you see it, or even our downtime, we just, our minds are gone. It's really difficult. It's one of the hardest shows ever. Our, our season was the longest race and the most trucks ever, too. So, I mean, it was, it was tough, difficult. But amazing. I'll do it again in a heartbeat, which I did. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I just, uh, yeah. So, um, hard to do this without spoilers, but, uh, you know, between the two seasons, from mm-hmm. winning it all to heading home early, what's the difference between the two? How does it feel? Is it easy to get over a loss and move on? Or, Listen, I am competitive. I don't care if we're playing basketball, Monopoly, Connect, or I want to win. You know, that's always been me. You know what I mean? It's, I remember as a kid, I would play games with my uncle, play basketball and shoot. He would kill me. And I wouldn't stop until I won. You know, he would get, tell him to get tired and let me win. You know, but I won. It's not over until I win. So going from winning it all, that was eliminated after two weeks, it stung. It stung. I mean, it was, it was a hard pill to swallow because I feel like you lined me up against nine other chefs or 10 of the chefs, I'm one of the best, if not the best, you know? So, I mean, it, it was really more about, you know, me understanding that we had to play the game better. And this was all-stars and it wasn't just about the food because when you look at the food, I feel like I'm one of the best Creole Cajun chefs in the world, you know? So when you put my food against somebody else's, I feel like I'm going to be, I'm going to be there. I know at least top three, if not top one, you know? So um, I understood it wasn't about the food. It was more about playing the game and they had better strategy. You know, my mm-hmm. season, season 10, we made all about it. And we won because people were coming out of line and then go eat and come back in that line again. You know, so it, it was more or less my, my business model that money's never a few business. So I want to be about the food. And people even this, this season, they came back to line, came back and came back and came back. But there was more strategy to it. You know, those other guys, man, I was a fan of the show long before I was on. Aloha, mm-hmm. my favorite team. I saw them, man, I'm like, starstruck. I did the superstars mm-hmm. in my eyes, <laughs> you know, so right, you know, seeing right. those guys and, and they respected the hell out of me and I respected them and it was just amazing. So it made it a little bit easier to swallow, but it was still real tough for me, you know, because I, I hate losing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I guess if you have to lose, it's, it's good to lose against great competition, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it still stinks, but yeah. Again, like, you know, ah, you know, it's still hard. Right. Right. So with a passion for cooking, does the environment, the time constraints, the competition, does that take the fun out of it or does no. that enhance it for you? For me, because I love the pressure. Like when I when 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 it's showtime in my restaurants or my food trucks, whenever when it's showtime, that's when I light up. I hate I hate the slow time and the prep time. No, when it's when, a, when people packing in, I love that. I love the pressure. You know, some people crumble, some people melt. Old saying, pressure busts the water pipe. Well, I'm the pipe that won't burst. You know, so mm -hmm. when the pressure hits, I'm ready. So that part, I thrive. The actual food execution of it, I think we were we were one of the best teams. We've done the best team each time around. I just think that we had to learn more about the strategy and playing the game. And that's what they did. They did better than we did. You know, um, social media was big as well. You know, these mm -hmm. guys have thousands of followers. You know, once we're at 20,000 followers, once we're at 10,000 followers, I got my little 3,500, you know. So, <laughs> you know, and I think that that also played a part in two. So, again, if we ever did it again, if they do a redemption show or also version two, we'll be back on it. We'll be better suited to, to kind of go back and take the win. I'm not losing two. Won't happen. Yeah. I don't care what happens. <laughs> You have a better time blowing a bubble with a piece of hard candy. It won't happen again. I'm not going to do <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, you know, I think one thing that stood out to me from watching you on the show was um, that you wanted people to try your food. You didn't want price mm -hmm. to be a barrier. You didn't want right. uh, to put restrictions in place. And, and I love that, you know, mm -hmm. you said it on the show and, and it's something that I think was really powerful, really impactful that I, it, your, your food is for everybody. You, mm -hmm. you want everyone to experience it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I remember my first article when I opened my, net, my last room in 2015, the first article in three, four times came out and said, uh, eat like a king, pay like a pauper. Right. And it was one of those uh, articles that kind of spoke to who I am. I grew up in New Orleans. You know, my, my house that we grew up in was two rooms, living room and the bedroom. You know, we had a kitchen and a bathroom and it was, it was five of us in two rooms. You know, and out of that small house came some great food and the whole neighborhood came over. That's kind of my mindset. I want everybody to come to the house. Come on over. It doesn't matter who you are. So when you talk about price points and price gouging, again, they played the game. But for me, I'm going to always be who I am because I feel no one can do what I do better than me. You know, so when someone comes through and say, hey, we want some great food, you have some great food at a reasonable price that you can enjoy and come back again. You know, so a lot of times, all through season 10, people did that. They ordered a toothpaste, ate it. Oh, I'd love to get another one. Let me get two more. Let me get five more. Reasonable price. You know, so I, I don't want to be that guy that, because I'm on TV, you know, that I charge people a certain amount of money for something that shouldn't be that way. You know, so that I'm saying about who I am and be the person I'm always, I, I, I was talking to. Be. And my great grandma would slap me in the back of my head if I charge the money for the food. So I'm gonna let it ride. Uh, I love that. I love that. So with with the various businesses and and things that you're in right now, do you still keep up with food trucks? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, I do. I love food trucks. I've been on Clubhouse, Clubhouse New Craze, and there's a room called All Things Food Trucks, and I'm always you know, on the stage moderating, talking to you know different people about it. I try to mentor people who are in food trucks. I still have three food trucks, you know. So again, this is a lifestyle for me. I have my mm -hmm. favorite trucks. I go visit when I'm around, and I love it. I actually love the food truck culture. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So 
you, you talked about your cookbook and, yes. uh, and that's something that I saw on your website as well. And tell me what I'm going to find in this cookbook. So first of all, one of the things that I really love is that I dedicated to my great grandmother. There's a picture of her over the stove in black and white. You can see her over with big old school cast iron skillet. I mean, really cooking, man. I mean, that's one of the first things that I'll jump out at you. Um, then you see some great recipes and they're easy to follow. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I had a cookbook that made people want to cook with. Some cookbooks can be intimidating. All these big words, and these big numbers and conversion and all. You take this, follow step by step, and you're able to cook what I cook, just like I cook. And I also added on that, once you buy the cookbook, if you follow my social media, I do those recipes live. So if I'm on page one, I'll post and say, hey, today we're going to do page one. And you cook it with me. So now you can see how I do it step by step. So now you get an idea of what you may have missed or what you may have done too much, too little of. You know, so you get etouffee, you get beignets, you get jambalaya, you get all kinds of that cookbook that you that's real New Orleans. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. Um, it's definitely something I'm going to get. I absolutely love, <laughs> I love, I love Southern, I love soul food. I love uh, the jambalaya, the gumbo, beignets. Mm. And so you just can't find good recipes or recipes that you trust, you know? Right. Um, and that's where I think it gets difficult. Or, or recipes that the average, you know, guy or girl can cook at home without having to buy a million ingredients and <laughs> right. you know spend Absolutely. a fortune on it and yeah yeah creole and cajun food is simple and that's what at, at its roots you know um if i had to give an example of the two creole food be more city food while cajun more country food and i fuse <laughs> the two together you know so it's simple um it's approachable it's not pretentious anyway but it's great you know, a lot, a lot of flavors, and I always build my flavors. You know, the episode in the show was talking about how I made my gumbo, how I build those flavors, and it takes time. You know, so going back to the, the All Star edition, a lot of a, a lot of the guys open up really quickly. Same season ten, they open up really quickly because a lot of the food was kind of pre-made or put together, or not a whole lot. For us, we made it from scratch. We did it all. You know, we're gonna take our time because that's real New Orleans food. It takes time. When you make a pot of red beans and rice, you start that pot on Monday morning at nine o'clock, and then goes all the way until 5 p.m. You know, so that's the world of school right there. And that's who I am. Yeah, I love that. And and I, I think that's a really good point too as well, right? Um, from watching the show, you see people, a range of people from, I'm, I'm going to cook everything from scratch, you know, like yourself, mm -hmm. or I'm going to buy everything frozen, <laughs> prepare it, and then charge mm -hmm. five times the amount. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I, I just, there's something about connecting with a home cooked dish when you know it's real. It's not mm -hmm. a bunch of prepared junk that uh, is being thrown at you and marked up. And, uh, and, and that's what I love about, you know, the conversation with you, watching your journey, seeing some of that food that you put out, it's real, you are real, you know? Yeah, and I, I love that. It's it's something that is magnetic. You you want to learn more and hear more. So well, thank you. I appreciate it, the kind words. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, I've definitely, you know, I've appreciated the conversation. Um, so you talked about social media, you talked about website. Mm -hmm. Where can people find out more or learn more about you? All right. Well, www.nola-creations.com. That's our website. It has a whole big bio in there. Talks about my journey. I'll even go further with my health journey. You know, I was 360 pounds at one point. 
you know, diabetic in the hospital, blood pressure like 190, like 150, it was bad off. Mm. You take 10 different uh, uh, types of pills every day. You know, now I'm about 240, pretty, pretty good shape. I love to work out a little bit, you know, so, uh, um, you know, I love you know, lifting weights now. So it's changed my life and also affected my food. So I have a lot of seasons also. Um, I have three seasonings, Creole, seafood, and uh, blackened season that are all low sodium. You know, so it's part of my journey. I wrote a second cookbook called The Cajun Vegan. All Cajun recipes on vegan style. You know, so again, that's coming up real soon. On social media, Nola Creations, 504, and Chef Daryl Johnson. Uh, so that's my social media. Awesome. Yeah, I'll make sure I link to all of that uh, as well. So I'll make it easy for everyone. <laughs> Just look at the awesome. show notes, you'll find it. Uh, so, awesome. yeah. Um, you know, I, I really do. I appreciate the time that you, you took to come on today and, and talk about your journey and, and talk about, you know, some memories you have with your, with your great grandma. One last question. Okay. Um, you know, you mentioned 2005, she passed away. Mm. Who got her cast iron skillets? So it was also hurting Katrina. So they got washed away. You know, a lot uh, of what we uh, lost, um, memories and pictures and, I mean, it was just one of those things where I would never get those things back. You know, people look at, you know, they say it's been so long ago, but you can't put a time frame on memories. You know, some of those things that we right. lost, man, we'll, we'll never see again. You know, so that's our heritage, our legacy. Um, I would have loved to. We did save her cookbook, though. We did save her cookbook. So all the news and things that she would create so often, man, she does a caramel. Of course, she did a caramel cake, man. I'm talking about, man, you eat the caramel cake, you just licking your fingers and a little bit drip on your arm, you licking your arm and you got stuff on it. Yeah. So, but we did say the cookbook, but those, a lot of those things we lost, you know, we lost in the storm. So. Right. Well, you know, there's no replacing what you lost, but, you know, having the recipes in a lot of ways, that's the legacy. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We like I said we we saved that. And that was that was a wonder. You know that was the main thing. We went back to the house. That's the first place I went. Where's the cookbook? Where, where is it? Where, where is it? You know, and it was safe. It was taken care of. And it's funny because the water line got up to about six and a half feet in the house, mm-hmm. and the cookbook was on the shelf right at seven feet. So it was divine. It was meant for us to keep it. Ah, I love it. Good placement. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. So. Uh, again, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today and, and having a conversation. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Again, big thanks to chef Daryl Johnson for coming on the show today. Make sure you take a minute, look at the show notes, check out their website. There are links in the description in those show notes. If you have a love for Cajun and Creole food, make sure you order one of his cookbooks. I ordered mine a few days ago. I'm super excited to receive it. I can't wait. I can't think of a better tribute to Daryl's great-grandma than for him to share her recipes with the world. And if you want to try that gumbo recipe that Tyler Florence said is one of the best he's ever had, you're going to have to get the cookbook, folks. So again, check out the links in the description. Toasty Kettle is all about connecting with the past through food. And as I listened to Chef Daryl talk about his own history, I thought of my own grandma. Last year, I took on a project of scanning and preserving all the recipes that she's accumulated throughout her life. And most of them were handwritten on recipe cards or typed on her typewriter. 
It's a wealth of culinary experience passing from one generation to the next. And I've loved sifting through them and pulling out recipes that I remember grandma cooking. And some of those have made it up to the website, toastykettle.com, along with some stories. And I absolutely love it. So when Chef Daryl was talking about the importance of those recipes and that heart-stopping moment of walking in the house after Hurricane Katrina where the water level had gone up six and a half feet. First thing he did was look for the recipes and miraculously they were on a shelf that was seven feet high. So it survived the flood and we're grateful for that. And again, grateful that he came on the show, grateful that he has a cookbook out now that we can (laughs) carry that family legacy forward and, and we can all get a taste of that as well. So again, Make sure you check them out. That's why I love this show. And as I research different topics and as I interview different businesses, it always takes me back to my own past and my own experiences. And I'm hoping that it does the same for each of you. That's all I have for today's episode. Again, if you like what you heard, Make sure you subscribe and leave a few words in a review. It really does help grow the show. And that way you won't miss any future episodes. I'm continually working on interviews to post and continually researching new and interesting topics for you all to listen to. Also, make sure you follow the links to learn more about Chef Daryl and NOLA Creations. You can find his website, a quick link to the cookbook and also a link to his Facebook page in the show notes. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Toasty Kettle. You can also sign up for the newsletter at ToastyKettle.com. Until next week. (laughs) 